Welcome to another edition of the Grizzden Pod and the Weekden Update crossover episode. The whole gang is here. What's up, Kraft? Hey, feeling much better than last week. Ty, how you doing? Pretty good. That's great. You? I'm awesome. Hey, BD. <laughs> What's up, guys? Leave it to Ty to always be awkward. Good to think. Good thing that even on the Weekden, he's also awkward in his introduction. I love just letting it sit. You know. Just hey, letting it just sit. the awkward silence. <laughs> All right. Well, the Grizzlies, as we're sitting here tonight, are 23-13. and 13. That's good for second in the West. It's tied for fourth in the NBA. Offensive rating at 113.4. That's 12th in the NBA. Defensive rating at 109.1. That is tied for second in the league. Net rating at a 4.3, which is fourth in the NBA. All this according to NBA.com. And then point differential, according to Cleaning the Glass, is 5.5, which is second in the entire league. Now, we're going to get to some news first, and we're going to revisit an item for the weekend Update listeners because we haven't gotten Ty and Brantley's thoughts on the newly released Jaw Ones, which were uh, dropped on Christmas. He has now worn uh, a couple of different or a few different iterations, I believe, of of the Jaw ones. The they released like the the lighter green. He wore the purple and he wore pink last night. We'll start with you, Brantley. What do you think about the shoes and everything surrounding the release? Uh, I thought the campaign, just the ad that sort of got circulated, if you will, of him opening the shoe with his daughter, and and that reveal regardless of when it was filmed, whether it was recently or a, little, a couple months back, I felt like it was just sort of true to Ja and the way he sort of had this fa- this familial, uh, you know, characteristic to his game and to his story coming into the NBA. So, and Grizzlies fans, like, are not surprised to see his his daughter front and center with him. And so I thought that was just really awesome that he sort of has – Throughout all of his growth with us, he's really stayed true to his roots thus far. And when you hear someone like Ja, whether we talk about this now or, or at some point later, when he has a, a, a goal, and this also came out with the shoe of he wants to be a billionaire by 30, which there's three athletes that have achieved the billionaire status uh, MJ, LeBron, and Tiger Woods. Even Brady hasn't done it. It's going to take his Fox News deal when he goes into the booth to actually become a billionaire. Like Jaws' goal, even of reaching that status, is he might in the divorce crazy. too. If he gets Giselle's, half. yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Great, Go yeah. Ahead. yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic interjection. But all I have to say is that it's just it. You, you would hope, even in sort of, and and he's quoting like that as saying like, "Hey, that's me and my mom's goal." And so there's sort of overlapping characteristics with him and sort of the shoe release. Someone else might want to get into the fashion side. All I know is that I plan to own a couple pair, maybe maybe multiples. Not sure if I can rock the pink and purple. I'm hoping there's going to be a little bit more day-to-day color uh, that would look good with maybe a pair, pair of slacks, <laughs> chinos, maybe my Lululemon um, ABCs. 
which I know Ty would love to wear the jaw ones with. Ty, Ty, what did you? Are you gonna rock the pinks? I actually love the pinks. Those are my favorite ones. Only because like jaw could do it. Like to your point with me wearing pink shoes, probably not gonna fly. Um, I, don't I, don't, know, maybe. I, don't, I don't think I could swing it. Uh, I love. Yeah, to me. I love they they seem very simple but they have meaning as well like Brantley just talked about the meaning behind everything with his ad coming out and actually like on the shoe design themselves like he has meaning like at certain parts of the shoe which I think is really cool um like he has his daughter's name at some point on there her name's Kari um I love the IM12 uh like in engraved at some at certain parts um, but the pink, the ones I'm looking at now, I think is what he wore last game. They're pink with a Navy Nike swoosh that like turns into this like lime green on the back end with baby blue soles. Like to me, those are just like super slick. I think they work with the Grizzlies blue too. That's what yeah. I think he was going for in both the purple and the and pink. And us being like primarily Navy and white, like you could probably get away with most things with our colorway. Uh, but I mean, and Jock could also wear whatever he wants. I love the fact that they're lows. Um, I think it's really cool that he, it seems like, so Brantley was kind of talking in a text thread about how like it feels like a playoff Kobe's. And I think the low is a playoff that too. Um, and Kyrie. And Kyrie. And even Kate, the, the, the Katie the, the Fours were yes, low. Exactly. The Jaws always won lows. Wear. So I think that's really cool too that he's like playing into that too. And I think. Brantley, you might have said this too, is that they lost a low in Kyrie's, so now they gained a low shoe, Nike that is, in the Jaws. So I think that's something that plays a factor too. Um, but man, just taking a step back, like, there, I think we looked it up. I think there's five or six Nike NBA athletes with a shoe. That's it. And Jaws one of the five, and he's 23 years old, fifth year in the league. Like, to me, that's just. And that doesn't count any of the Jordans. You know, yes, correct. Like Jordan's a separate brand Nike. in my mind. Right, right, yeah. So I just think all in all, that's just it's wild. But when you talk, the the crazy thing with this too is that in some of the what, around the release that was happening on Christmas Day was people starting to get into the performance of the sale of the shoe and comparing him, like Jaws getting mentioned with this shoe with Paul George, Kyrie, KD, Kobe and Jordan in terms of who's going to have the most successful launch of a shoe. And coincidentally, like Paul George's release was, was actually one of the uh, best performance in terms of sales uh, at the release uh, in terms of volume, um, uh, in terms of some of the stuff that I was seeing. And so the shoe being released around playoff time in April, in the spring, uh, I think intentionally around, uh, you know, some 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 summer s- season anticipation of different like basketball circuits and things like that. I'm not a full uh, sneakerhead businessman, so I'll be curious to see if that release will allow you know Jaw to kind of uh, have a very successful launch. But I think the partnership with um, and the timing, if with the Grizzlies being really successful, could have uh a lot of benefit to the sneaker itself from a high perspective and and nationally we had an awesome moment in the game last night where jaw after the interview 
took off his shoes, signed them, and there was a kid over there who said, like, all I want for my birthday is a pair of Jaw Ones. And Jaw took the shoes over. He was The kid was with his mom. He was crying. It's a clip that has now gone viral. If you haven't seen it, you should look it up. should be pretty easy to find. And then, you know, pose for a few pictures. And um, apart from being, like, an awesome moment, which we can definitely discuss, I thought it was also, you know, a big deal that it was about his shoe in that moment as well. It wasn't just any pair of Josh shoes, which any kid would want after a game. Like this was special because it was this, I mean, that might've been the first pair of shoes apart from Josh, like crew that have been given out to the public. We don't know. Um, what'd y'all think about that moment last night? Craft, what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I'll say, I mean, I, uh, I ended up having to watch the game later and so I was like, so, you know, it was like very late in my house. Everybody else had gone to bed and I'm like sitting there starting to get teary eyed, uh, in like in, in our den watching this and feeling weird. You like ugly but, crying or soft no, crying? No, not ugly crying. Not ugly One cry. little sawdust, a little sawdust in there. Uh, but, uh, you know, getting very emotional about it. Um, and obviously I think it's just, an, I think for me, I mean, obviously that's an emotional moment and I sent it and I. I sent it around uh, to some of my friends and I feel like I had a bunch of probably middle-aged men who aren't associated with the Grizzlies crying uh, or just getting sad, like getting touched by it because it was an emotional moment. And I think for me, the emotions come with just the fact that he is also a Memphis Grizzly and that like we could have gotten a lot of superstars, like we've been wanting a superstar for forever and we could have gotten all sorts of kinds of superstars but the fact that we got somebody who I think connects to fans and connects to our city and uh, I just think cares about being at least perceived as a generally good person and that matters to him. I just am very it is it's a very cool uh, thing to see. Um, and so it's just, you know, and, and I and also think that goes with as far as the marketing, you know, and I don't think jaw I could get cynical and think about jaw marketing. But but really, I just think but it gets at the fa- the jaws appeal with kids and and it reminds me of jordan's appeal to me uh as a kid and in the late in the mid to late 80s early 90s and so i think there is this moment of like oh is this like is this what it's going to be about that's really exciting to me yeah i mean nike is saying that he is the first gen z signature shoe and this is all about Ja and his business appeal, w- coupled with his play. And so I, I, we're harping on this because the shoe is amazing. It's really fun. As fans and listeners of the podcast, you should say, "Man, this is really cool. I want to go get a couple pair of shoes." Like I now have a player I root for that has a shoe. And I think we also are trying to say this is a massive global deal. Like Nike is putting money behind a Memphis player. They're calling him the next, the the first Gen Z signature shoe. They are, it's a massive bet on their end. I would say calculated by his impression share and things like that, that are only behind Steph Curry. And they're saying this is the next face. There's other corporations saying he's the next face. And so it's like we've been talking about this on this pod for three years, I think maybe making some predictions. The prediction now is that, well, this stuff is here, and you better bet that Nike has say in their shoes getting FaceTime. And 
it's not that national games are necessarily the best thing because I honestly would rather listen to Pranica and Brevin all the time. But in terms of just where the Grizzlies as an organization are going with Jaw at the helm, it, you can't understate what this means. I think also Jaw, speaking to his marketing, has made a really savvy move in the way that he's creating his own media sphere, especially with if you follow Shot by Nye, the guy who basically follows him around everywhere. They've since last off season has have released episodes of, of these quasi documentaries about John, his life goes back to the family. So you have this global superstar on one end of the spectrum. That's going to have these incredible Nike ads for years to come. And yet you also have his own local network that he's also leveraging over here. And if you follow Nye, you can see different pictures. Like I'm pretty sure now was the, he has this whole gallery of photos all about the shoe release you know, all where they were on site and at the Nike facility, things like that. Like you should tef- definitely go check it out. It's just really smart. And it's really interesting to see the way that he's playing both sides of the coin in a city like Memphis, which I feel like you can't sell out in a city like Memphis. You have to stay true if you also want to keep support here as well. And I don't, I'm not worried about Ja uh, selling out in any respect, but he, he might have his cake and eat it too, which will be really interesting to see. Um, there was also a, a clip recently speaking to stardom, Sham Sharania, who is, it's basically he and Woj as the two top newsbreakers in the NBA. He has a show on FanDuel and, or presented by FanDuel. And I think it's on Twitter broadcast every, every once in a while with our boy Chandler Parsons. Shout out Ty. He, uh, had this. <laughs> I think that now I realize why I don't watch that show that often. There you go. Uh, he had a clip basically. And and the the summary of what he said, it wasn't a very long clip, but he says he believes the Grizzlies are a potential landing spot for the next available star. He cites five first-round picks, five future firsts that we have. Uh, Danny Green is a very tradable contract, and and the team in general being in a, in a situation where they're already at the top of the West and have a uh, a bright future ahead of them. And so he thinks that the Grizzlies could be very well at the top of the list. Of a, of a landing spot, uh, Ty. Speaking of Chandler, what do you think about what do you think about the clip and and what it means for the Grizzlies? First of all, to clarify, my Chandler Parsons. Oh, all, it's well documented. It's I, well documented. All I said is I predicted him to average like fourteen, eight and eight in one year. That's it. It's, it's true. That's right? not that yeah, extravagant. Yeah. That's right. He averaged like three, one and a half. <laughs> In 22 games. Was that the number <laughs> of games? Yes. It was really rough. Um, hey, those are the, Lulu, those the amount of games guy, he played you know? each season he played for the Grizzlies. 14, <laughs> 8, and 8. <laughs> so the Sharania thing I thought was really interesting because we've debated on this pod multiple times. We feel like our front office does things differently, that we are galaxy-braining a lot of the rest of the league with using late first-round draft picks, seeing the value in those, stuff like that. And I can get bought into that vision pretty easily. And then what I took away, which, Will, to your point, you had mentioned before the podcast, I didn't watch the interview. I only read, you know, the little the little blurb about it. Um, so I probably don't – I don't have the whole context – but he basically made it seem like that we offered Brooklyn basically all the picks that we have. 
Did y'all read that the same? Yeah, okay. and I, I mean, I basically felt basically the it it he made it seem, especially on the interview I watched, it seemed very clear the Grizzlies called the Nets and basically said, "No Jaw, no Jaron, no Bane, but what do you want hmm. for KD?" Basically? Gotcha. Match so, salaries. Sure, and I think Brooklyn. I don't think they were ever going to trade Durant. Like it just wasn't. That was never going to happen. Um, I think KD finally realized that and was like, okay, I guess I will like also buy into this process, you know. But I think that kind of changed my view a little bit. Is so two things I'll mention. Um, one, it shows me shows me that if we if we know the right guy, quotes is out there, which is what I texted you earlier. I don't think we'll be hesitant to go get him. Um, I think we are not afraid to use our assets and maybe before, maybe I'm reading too much into that, but maybe before I was like, maybe we are a little hesitant to use those assets. But after seeing that, maybe we're not, maybe we are just really biding our time and being incredibly patient about who we use those assets on, you know, primarily going against the vibes of like Minnesota and Gobert, even Atlanta and DeJounte Murray, um, you could even argue, like, what does truly, what does Donovan Mitchell, where does he take Cleveland to? Like, to the promised land? I don't really know. The other point I wanted to mention is, like, of those teams that you were talking about, like, who are we competing against? What's the other young, really good team with a lot of assets? Now, there's a lot of really young teams with assets, but are they any good? Most of them aren't. So if you look at, like, teams in our like where we are as a franchise, I really don't know of a. Maybe I'm overlooking someone. Pelicans are the sleeping giant. That's here, true. That's they a have good the point. Lakers pick. Yep, I'm glad you said that because the Pels is someone I refuse to consider all the time. But that's you're right. That's the other team, I guess, is who we would be competing against. But their cap situation is a lot trickier than ours too. Like we have a lot of cap flexibility. They got several players on their on their roster about to make thirty plus million. Um, so their cap, future cap even, is a little trickier than ours. But that's that's another thought. I was like, if there does become a star, like, yes, we have the assets, but we also have a lot of other flexibility, and we're really good. And I feel like those, like, you know, those things mixed in that pot really don't exist at the same time often. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think also to add to the Pelicans thing, I do think the, one of the big things that the Pelicans, I think, um, they don't know what they are yet, I still don't think. Like because Point Zion, once Brandon Ingram's happen comes back, Point Zion is not going to be able to happen in the same way it's happening right now, and so I think that's one difference is that we do know what we want. But I mean, I will say, I mean, that's uh, we draft our draft is we don't we don't take the actual pick that comes to us. We go get the draft. We go get the guy. You know, if we have to move up and get a guy, we go move up, and so it, it does fit with what you're saying. For if we see a trade that we want, a guy that's available, we're going to go get him. I mean, I think that fits with kind of our front office. And recall, like, last offseason, we had Steven Adams, who's an expiring contract. We had, uh, or was going to be soon. We had uh, Kyle Anderson, who was expiring. We had the DeAnthony Melton contract that we went through a ton of different trades with him. So there were... Basically three or four, and also not to mention even Jarrett Culver was rolling off of books books as well. So it's like we had three or four slots if you wanted them for new draft picks. And at this point, starting next offseason, like wh- who's getting replaced on the roster if you're going to invest five new guys 
uh, from this last draft. And so I think it could, we're getting to a boiling point, I think, with just how, how much space is even left to add new blood unless you want to trade out some of what you have for younger guys. And at this point, I mean, where do you draw that line, yeah. which is going to be interesting? Yeah, because, I mean, this year, I mean, we don't have, I mean, we have picks this year. We don't have roster spots for those people. Right. So, like, we would have to get rid of somebody. Um, you know, what which was the context for why Shams, like, talked about us? I only saw the clip. To be fair, uh, I'm sure that it was just about uh, like who I think Trey Young, for example, has been in the news recently for being like the next star who would want to move. And that opened up discussion to where if if people wanted to make trades, what what are realistic targets for a star? Not necessarily Trey Young, but for a star. Yeah, it's kind of like basically like who who are the teams out there that you're looking at to make some kind of major move? And I think he even said, even in the offseason, like he kind of, the context wasn't just trade deadline for this season, but was like, what's going to be the sort of story, what could potentially be the story of the summer with like stars moving. And he was just saying Memphis is the spot because of all the things they have and the flexibility and that they're like everything Ty just said. So I think that's, that was kind of the the context. Because it kind of feels like a little bit more, information than what we've had in the past like it's like we sort of assumed this was the case but now we have a little bit more behind the curtain and so I'm always like okay who's either suggesting that it's okay to reveal that information with him or is it just slip which is weird because we're usually we're connected more to woes than him at this point so it's like who's who's like, the new who's kind of re- like suggesting that it's okay to reveal a little bit more yeah. and why yeah the, the and why. the timing and so like the other side that I think we we don't have to touch on this for uh um for a, a, a long part of the podcast but I do think it is a little bit of th- this piece of information does sort of reveal that the front office is admitting that to go win we do need a bigger piece I think. And I, in my opinion, that's what I think. Because Kraft is not nodding affirmatively. No, I'm, I just and, and, well, and, and I know maybe that's not your opinion. Right, right. I'm right. saying it's the front yeah. office's opinion. Yeah. Which, oh no, no. Whether I mean, or not, whether or not one agrees with the front office, I think that's what they're saying with this. Is and and maybe there's some you know with the upcoming salary cap, they've got some projections that says we can sort of we can take advantage of this scenario. So let's go yeah. get somebody get, get a mercenary type. And so I just think that's such an interesting like strategy to know that's that's on the table that this front office is considering even though i still anticipate it like at a very low probability that anything's ever going to really happen i think that i guess i i mostly agree with you because i'm not really disagreeing with you in a sense but i think the front office thinks if jaw doesn't get injured we could have won a title last year i think the front office thinks we can win a title this year i think they they believe which i mean i think anybody would think that if we add KD to our core, that raises the ceiling significantly. And so, you know, takes us from a contender to like the favorite. And I think that's what they're looking at. So I do think our front, I think our front office thinks we can win a title with who we have right now. But I think that, that the could becomes, if the could can become, should win a title, yeah, then they will fair. make that. That's I mean, that, that's the only it, like I do think that 
Um, because I, I because I do think they're concerned about chemistry, and I think they are concerned. I mean, I think that's the Dylan Brooks piece and like all the things we've talked about. I mean, I think they are like we haven't seen them really do things in season. I think they're very slow to want to make changes in season since Winslow. Yeah, since Winslow, which did not work out, which which is their 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 like their one negative trade so far. Their one obviously negative trade so far. So let's let's get into this more because we had a uh, a boil water advisory in Memphis for a few <laughs> days, and at one point the water pressure was low enough to where officials were were deciding whether or not fans would be able to attend the game on December 27th at home against the Suns. And that is important because I wish the boil water or the water pressure had been low enough to where fans didn't get to attend because of how bad that game was. Uh, I was in attendance with 11 of my family members and we spent way too much money to sit on row T in the terrace. And so (laughs) it was a terrible game. It came off right after the Christmas day loss since then, we've rattled off wins against the Raptors and then back-to-back New Year's Eve and then New Year's Day against the Pelicans and the Kings. We, as a podcast, have gone through a lot of ups and downs in terms of just how we have been processing this particular stretch for the Grizzlies. And I think that's true of a lot of fans. I, I got some texts during the Suns' loss, which were borderline, you know, what who do we need to get rid of type thing which obviously to that extent hey, don't is look an at me craft that wasn't me okay but this is why this is why i think we need to talk about this um, we need to talk about it on the podcast because who knows i mean i tend to think the truth is in the middle um but let's talk a little bit more about this team as it currently stands who are we really, especially as it relates to the playoffs? Because the regular season is a regular season. I feel like I could argue away any regular season game as being meaningless. And yet, we're here to discuss what's real and what's not about this this team, especially as, as it relates, like I said, to the playoffs. So I just think that we should open the floor and see where we are. Do we Do we really think that this team, as currently constructed, has a chance to win the finals? And if so, what is that chance? And do we need to make a move right now? Do we need to push these chips in in light of this report from Shams? I mean, like, where where do we stand right now with this team? That's a loaded question. Um, one thing I'll, I'll try to, like, it's so hard to, to really figure out what our front office is thinking because they've made not contradicting moves, but they've they've definitely done different things in different seasons. Like, the year after they drafted B.C. Bain, that was a different year, I think, right? And they drafted B.C. and Bain. But that, those were like... B.C. with which, with a, jaw. That's right. That was like yeah. a string of draft picks, right? Brandon Clark, Bain. And then the next year, they go get this very much, like, unpolished raw Zyra Williams. They're like, well, that's not what's kind of been there. So it's kind of really hard to peg them. I will say the really interesting thing about Sean's, when you look at Kraft, you mentioned our core, Job Bain and Jaron were completely off the list. To me, I think our front office things, as long as we have these three guys, we're good. We will be competitive for a very long time. 
to Will's point of like, where are we currently right now? I mean, it's hard for me to say, like, if things don't go right, I, I, I could see us in the finals. Like, I really could. Like, if things break right, if, like, Jamal Murray never really gets back to, like, peak Jamal Murray, if, I don't know, like, the Clippers, who knows what they're going to look like. Like, Dallas, that heliocentric, like, if you just take Luka away, like, I don't, I feel like. It so, you're would, saying we're fine in the West? Fine in the West. I just feel, I feel like I would be selling a short. If I could say, like, oh, we definitely can't make the finals. Because I think we can. I think things would need to break, just like for every other team. Like, I don't think there's a clear cut, oh, this team is the cream of the crop. They are by far the favorite. I think there's probably three or four teams all in the mix, and I think we're one of those. So, yes, I definitely think we can. But we've also mentioned several times, and Brantley and I, when we talked to um, the guy from the Oakland Warriors podcast, we are looking like we see ourselves, Kraft, you mentioned this time, we see ourselves as, as the new age Spurs. We want to be not only relevant for a long time, but like extremely competitive for a long time. I don't know if we are like, it's either this year or bust. So one really thing that kind of like irks me again, back to our national media dislike sometimes like Kevin O'Connor on his ringer podcast with Chris Verno is basically like, why would you not go get, why would you not go spend four first round picks for OG because, like, y'all are entitled to, like, you go win the title right now. A, first of all, that does not guarantee you anything in the future, including this season. And, like, B, like, what does that really, like, what does that really get you to? You know, what does, like, OG and Ananobi, like, really get you to? I don't think he is, like, a, I don't think if you just trade him and Dylan, like, player for player, I really, this may be, y'all may disagree with me here. I don't know if that really makes us that much better. Maybe it does. I don't really know. So I don't. I think we're hesitant to be like, let's go put all of our chips in. Let's go do this right now for this little window when we don't have a little window. We our window is massive, and I don't think we want to make it any smaller. So I think if we look at like future moves, moves now, I don't really know if that's our front office's mindset. As I say that, literally in the back of my head, I'm rethinking Shams. We just offered five first round picks for KD. So like. It's KD and OG, say. big difference. Oh, right? 100% agree. But the fact of us are more like mortgaging our future for the right now, clearly we looked into it a little bit. But again, back to my Dez, Ja, Jaron. Do we have those three in our front office's mind? I think if we do, I think we're in a really healthy, good spot moving forward and nothing else right now, you know, is extra. Kraft, you had a theory about Jaws. Is this yeah, the proper so, time to bring yeah, it up? Yeah, I think this is actually, I mean, yeah, it could be. Uh, I think, so my my theory, uh, because you'd already thrown out, you already alluded to it. Um, my my theory, and this goes to Brantley, because Brantley's always talking about Jaw. Here we go. Is like 3D chess. I, I think uh, the question is, where are we in the playoffs? I think that in some ways jaw knew what the next couple weeks were going to look like and how we're playing a lot of our peers in the West. And I think part of him going on there and saying we're fine in the West is I think he wanted the best shot from all these. Like, I think he didn't want in these West teams are coming in the Suns, the nuggets were, or, or we're going there. The warriors even, even though we knew we were going to get their best shot anyway, but he wanted our peers to not just think of it as a regular season game, but to bring playoff intensity, which I think, you know, 
I think we saw in the Kings game. I think we saw in the Pels game. Unfortunately, I think we saw it in the Suns game. We didn't show up. Uh, I think I think he was trying to test, uh, especially maybe our bench, um, and maybe some of our guys to be like, "This is what it's like." I know y'all like. I think he was in a sense asking our team to step up the competition a little bit. And, and it's so, and it's interesting to me that we hear Shams talking about trades that I, I think there's this sense of, um, or I think th- that makes me feel like jaw at least, but then also our front office is asking that the question we're asking, which is where are we, you know, do we need to make some improvements on the margins? Do we, we need to make a big swing, which I just think we're only going to do that if it's available, which I don't think there is one right now. But, uh, but that's kind of my theory is that, um, because th- I mean, it was interesting because everybody was like, why would you do that? Why would you just let sleeping giants lie? Like, why would you piss off the rest of the West? This is what I've heard on podcasts over and over again on like talk shows. And I think that's exactly what, Jaw wanted, and maybe the Grizzlies too. Oh, they want theory. they mm. want to give. He Come wanted on, to hear that because he wanted he like he wanted the Pelicans to c- come out pissed Saturday. He wanted the Kings to come out hard Sunday. He wanted the Suns to come out honestly and punch us in the mouth. Yeah. Uh, like, Who's the one player that responded to all those punches too? Jaw did. Yeah. Yes, Jaw was ready. Unfortunately, a lot of our other guys weren't, and I don't. And that's not. And so I think for me th- that in sort of on NBA Twitter and like in our, maybe a lot of, not like our personal track says, but all our friends, that's when we like throw players out the window. But again, we're a young team. And I think Jaw wants a Conchar, a Santi Aldama, a Roddy to feel that now so that they're ready yep. in the future. I don't know. I, I, don't love, know. That's, I love that's this theory. theory. I'm going to, let's, let's just go with this for a second, just because I hadn't thought of it and I think it's amazing. So, Ja, again, like he grows up having stardom, like best player in the NBA aspirations, watches how LeBron, KD, really just those two run their sort of media conglomerate. And is like within two years in the league is like, I'm going to be those guys. That's what I'm going to try to be in my net worth and what I'm going to pull off. LeBron is very well known for everything he says has some sort of hidden meaning and intent behind it. So I love, I love this theory. And because in the first two games, it, um, nuggets, warriors and sons, honestly, all three of those games, it was very evident to me in those three games who fit and who didn't. Uh, I, I used to, I just kind of, like Bane in his rookie season in the playoffs. It was just like, yeah, this guy's got it. He's He just is not – the lights aren't too bright. Conchar on those games, the lights felt too bright. Like the speed picked up. He didn't really feel ready for it. I thought Aldama handled it pretty pretty well, honestly. I don't know if y'all talked about that some. Uh, Roddy was just a bowling ball. That's just who he is. But the past two games, the Pelicans and the Kings, those guys have shifted. And one thing that I was noticing last night – this happened probably three times with Jaron when he was leaving the court, uh, once with Jitty and twice with Roddy. Every time it was like, come on, we need you. Come on, we need you. As those guys were entering the court and Jaron was leaving. And that, to me, I wish that I had known this idea then because it would have it clicked. Because to me, that's like this. We are trying to raise a little bit 
of our floor with those guys this year. And maybe so so yeah, Ja well, was doing it. He was to motivating. Your, to your point, last night, to me one of the, the glaring I Ja goes down, throws it to to Jitty, to who makes a hilarious like no look three point play, like under the basket throws it up. And it play is of the, the year. Yeah, and it is the most demonstrative I've ever seen and if you if you remember at the end of that play it's the most demonstrative I've ever seen Jaw celebrate for a guy. Yeah. Uh, and so as far as you talk I mean that and I just think I thought of that now yeah. as you were talking in that that Conchar like hype like being a hype man for Conchar in that moment um to be like yes you belong. You belong. Yeah, so. and it's like, and with both of those guys right now, they, Conchar and Roddy, one of them is going to be in key spots in the playoffs in that corner, and they're going to have to make those two threes they get in the playoffs. They can't miss them. So who's going to be the one that gets that jock, that gets the kick when Jaws on a heater scoring 40 plus points on a quiet playoff night? Because last night it was a quiet 30 and it was ridiculous. And And neither of them, I don't. I don't feel like uh, it's going in when they shoot the corner, corner three right now. And we need to get to where at least one of them, come playoff time, can hit it. Yeah, I think Zaire, to me, is also in this zone right now. Not sure what's going on with him. I actually have the least confidence right now in Zaire than any of those three guys. Um, and, yeah, to your point, like it was. It was unbelievable to see the emotion with Ja in that moment. One of the things that I was thinking through is what were the issues in the in the in the stretch of games that we were just not who we were, and it was the fact that we are such a team that relies on effort and working, and that's not what we were. That's not what we were about in our losing streak. It was it was almost like letting Ja do what he does, waiting for the shots, playing very tentative. Um, you know, save for the guys that are never playing tentative, but just like you were saying, Andrew Harrison face made its way uh, on a few players in, in that stretch. And as of right now, we have graduated from being a cute story and we're now the team with a target. So we're entering this new phase where we're going to be hated and it's going to be an adjustment. Jaws ready for it. Obviously he didn't fade at all. But now it's the rest of the guys, and they always say role players play better at home, which makes the regular season that much more important for us. But at the same time, taking your lumps in playoff atmospheres like the Warriors game, which was a playoff game, unbelievable atmosphere there, um, and a game like the Nuggets, where you're going to have to travel somewhere unfamiliar, play a team that plays a unique style, an MVP candidate, who knows when. Those experiences in a regular season are so valuable for playoff away games and then and even the suns game wasn't an away game but we had just played the suns and so it was like game two of a playoff series and that they decided we're going to take away everything y'all did in game in in the friday night game you know we played all three days ago we're going to take that away going to make y'all beat us a different way and we struggled to adjust to that obviously and i i think we were still in our heads from the warriors game too but but i mean i think it's the same kind of thing for sure Another th- so the role playing thing I get, but also if you think about back to the Jaron comment, like 
we were able to see like, oh, wow, this is what it's like when we don't have like a good Jaron. We get blown out. Oh, this is what it's like when Bain's not hitting shots and orchestrating offense, secondary creator. We get blown out. Like, so yes, we need the the Roddies and the Contrars, but also, man, we really need the Jarens and the Baines. Like, if we want to be really, really good, they have to be really, really good. Like, Jaron can't do what he did in that stretch where he gets like three or four quick fouls, gets in his own head, completely gets taken out of the game. I get Baines coming back from injury. I get it's his toe. I, I know that's a lot. There's a lot involved there. Like, I completely understand that. But it still, like, it shined a light on, like, oh, man, if we don't have, like, our second guy, like, we don't have a third or a fourth or maybe even a fifth. Like, it's it's those three. And if those three aren't carrying us, Ja's going to do everything he can in his power to keep us in games. But against, like, I just remember that Denver game. I think we all mentioned this. They played this weird defense where basically they had one guy on Ja and the other four had, like, a foot in the lane basically being like we will do whatever we possibly can to take away this player and we weren't able to capitalize anywhere else like that's when we need those other two you know quote unquote stars all stars to be that like those are times when they should shine and when they don't it's like we don't even have a chance yeah and the other big difference at least last night was that stones stepped up he had 18 points and he i mean he has really struggled you know, the past really like seven games. He's had like one good game in between there, for, at least on a scoring output perspective. And with with Bain not shooting well, you needed Tyus to come step in and 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 hit some shots. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Ty, because that is the blueprint, I think. If you're game planning against the Grizzlies, your your blueprint is pack the paint. Like make these guys hit shots. And Bain is the guy that is the he's the catalyst for uh, the waterfall, you know, going over the edge with yeah. three-point shooting to then open it all the way up for Jaw, and he if he's not hitting, that's again like you were saying. So, and, but it's and, not just hitting shots with him. It's like, man, you got to do it all. Like you got to create for others. Like you got to go off the bounce. Like Ivan, I said uh, in our podcast with the Gold State guy, I was like, I think Bain maybe our like most important offensive player. And I saw Brantley's eyes light up, and I'm like, maybe that's hyperbole. But at the same time, like, peak Bane, we are a completely different offense than what we are without him. Like, Ja, I feel like it, maybe that's, like, me be- becoming numb to Ja's greatness, which is probably a lot of it. We, we're already doing that fifth year in the in the league. But when Bane is, like, really killing it, like, defense is like, I, we can't really do much with this anymore. Well, I mean, to your, I mean, we spent the first month of the season having the number one or number two offense – but a terrible defense. And then we got Dylan finally back. And then obviously we got Jaron back. And now we're, you know, I, I say number one because I do clean glass, but like number one, number two defense. And our offense is, you know, dropped out of the top 10 for that reason because we haven't had Bane. I think that is the key of like having, like you are a title contender if you can be top five in both. And that's where we need Bane. Because, and that is, you know, our system, at least in the regular season, I know in the playoffs we'd make some slight adjustments. But I mean, we are built on, we defend the paint, we defend corner threes, and on offense, we attack the paint, and we make teams say, that we make teams give us the corner threes. And the frustration has been, even in our wins, 
the frustration has been we are not hitting those corner threes. Like, uh, finally, Jaron hit a couple the other night, but like, Bain's been missing them. Roddy's been, you know, and then especially the Roddy, Conchar, Zaire, we've been missing those corner threes. And that is, again, and, and honestly, we don't need that against normal, like average teams. But like against top five, top 10 teams in the NBA, we have to have somebody be, who can hit that corner three. And that's kind of go back to the whole question. I mean, I think, so to me, part of Jaw doing that and part of us thinking big, you know, as far as, you know, because I think there is, I think, I think the big swing is maybe the off season as for this year. I think our front office really needs to think, can we, without mortgaging our future, like Ty was talking about, so we can contend for a while, is there some, if Danny Green comes back maybe, but like, do we need to upgrade to some gutty who's reliably a corner three guy off the bench? Um, because I think that's sort of not just for the playoffs, but I also think if you look, if you notice all the people in the West uh, in general, man, everybody has great home court records. Everybody has terrible to road records. I think this might be the one of the playoffs first time in a while where a home court, like us getting a one seed, I think would be huge, um, really big deal, and having that first two games at home, last game at home type thing. And so that's another thing of of thinking about kind of where, because I do think, I think we're more on this last winning streak than we were on the losing streak, just because of our record. But I do think that is the one thing that continues to trouble me, is we we're just not having enough games where we hit a lot of three, a lot of wide open shots. Like, and really, we're really banking on Stephen Adams getting a lot of rebounds mm. for us. So, of our in the last ten games, I just want to look this up to make sure that we we weren't just like seeing it wrong. We've had one wing, quote unquote, wing player shoot above thirty percent from three in the last ten games. That's Dylan. Which does that tell you something? Thirty eight percent from three is Dylan. Conchar, 29%. Zaire, 19 Bain, 19 Roddy, 13% from three. And obviously, it just gets worse from there. And the point of, like, those shots, they are practice shots. They are so open. Like, it's not like they're having to take tough, contested, create Like, they don't have to create their own shots. Like, Conchar last night, I mean, there wasn't a guy within 10 feet of him. Twi- two consecutive possessions. So it's not like we're asking these guys to do, like, a lot offensively. Like Brantley said, like, if you're in the corner in the playoffs, like, you you, ha- you have to make those shots like you do. Like, if you're going to shoot in the teens, even in the 20s, because these shots are wide open. Um, to y'all's point earlier, whoever said Santi's got it, uh, 48% from three in the last 10 games. Unless you're playing Borderline the Pelicans, 50%. then you can shoot 17% from three and still kick their ass. That's true. So. Love it. Had to throw in a little pelsey. <laughs> Santi's though, man, that's that's huge that he's knocking on those shots. Yeah. Any specific uh insights from, from these last few games or even the Suns lost too, because um I think the Raptors to me was such like a get right game and they're struggling that I I even underestimated the way in which they were struggling because that game, I mean, it was competitive at first for a little bit, but I never was nervous. Um. Yeah, they're they're bad, which is interesting in terms of the trade discussions yeah. from what they're gonna do. Um, and then the Pelicans was just so like the the fourth quarter was the difference there. I mean, so competitive throughout. Um, so it was just really uh 
I think a couple of good tests. And then, I mean, last night was what it was. So. I mean, I'll, I'll stay on brand and just say, I think that, um, that one of the reasons why I think we won't trade Dylan until like some sign and trade in the off season, if we do it for a big swing is just his ability to guard, you know, to go from guarding Siakam to guarding Zion and CJ McCollum at different times in that game to then guarding De'Aaron Fox. And I think that matches with the weaknesses of jaw. Um, and I just think that that is just so important that it is like an OG Ananobi who can do the same thing. Like it just would be really hard to trade him uh, and not get a player who has that kind of flexibility. And that's just so rare for him to, for him to do that and him to want to do it. Um, and he also, by the way, uh, had one of his best offensive, uh, most probably his most efficient game he's ever been in as a Grizzly and through six assists and talked about it in a press conference with the quote, kudos to me, which... <laughs> if, which game was this? This was the Raptors this game? Is the Ra- this is the Raptors game, which if my fantasy basketball team was any good would now be the name of my fantasy basketball team. Kudos, kudos to me. <laughs> but... but uh, you know, and he was back in speaking Canada. Speaking of brands. Yes, speaking of brands. But the uh, but I just I appreciate that about him. And I think to go back to, I think one of the dangers is he he does he's somebody who always brings it, but sometimes doesn't know how to calm that down. And I think that's why Bain and Jaron to to Ty's earlier point is so important. Because I think Dylan it will he will he will go into the vacuum of the number two if you let him and he is so much better totally concentrating on defense and then just being part of the offense um and i mean i just you look at the games we won i mean usually either fourth in shots or he had like a really good efficient game and i just and so anyway but i do think he had a very good week best plus minus on the team so far this season second john conchar third john morant how about that how How about that? that Conchar, man, Look you, at could, us. you could take be, all the victory Conchar, laps. Will Look just, at us. just keep going, keep going. <laughs> Jitty hit a few more threes, and you could be I number know, one. Man. I, I bet Guterich is killing it in the Euro League. Will uh, I, I just I was I was one of the like emotional ones on our thread. Uh, I feel ma- you, bro. Ma- maybe not like <laughs> just uh, just the losing the Warriors game. The way we lost it was just so heartbreaking. Like on the Christmas Day jaw thing, it just was such a it still really bums me it out sucks. like thinking about it and and so now having all of these games you know in retrospective that we can look at it is a great response by a young team to do what we did these past three games like dare say unbelievable response like it's awesome that we came back and we took care of business like we did i mean the pelicans are playing great right now i mean um it would have and the kings and the kings i mean i know the kings are but the pelicans are like you know one two in the west right and it's like uh kings are you know like three games back in fifth somehow or two games back in fifth so it all of all of that is really to be commended and you know the the uh, i have just loved 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 watching steven adams the past three games like he's been awesome. The man 
Gosh, he's so underappreciated. He's in contention for MVP of the week, by the way. Oh. He's in contention. Is it, I, is it even a discussion? We'll, we'll have it well, pretty yeah, soon. It's a discussion. He goes, like, add his rebounds up together. It's amazing. Uh, anyway, <laughs> he, count. He is so, yeah, it's so fun. And the Dylan thing, uh, uh, you know, I'm slow to give um, credit to my man Dylan. I was at the Kings game last night, and I, I mean, in the first quarter and a half, I mean, there are some offensive possessions that I I don't know if I've seen anything as bad from an NBA player that start it really ever. Honestly, it was really terrible. However, in the third quarter, when we needed an energy bump, if you you know the game was close, um, first half, Kings came out and hit a couple shots, and we were down like six quick in the third quarter. And and I think it was the third quarter when all of the kind of like jarring and technical type stuff went back, or it wasn't a technical, but he really got rowdy, and that was the turning point of the game. And it, emotionally, it was the turning yeah. point of the game. And when we went on some runs and stuff, and that is the kind of underrepresented value that he brings. And I know it, and I get it, and I agree with all the points that you made, craft. Um, and I just want to continue to see Dylan flourish in his role. I want to say, ask y'all a it's quick question. <laughs> I, y- yeah. Yes, I've tried to be a balanced. Y'all should have seen here. his knuckles; they were as white as he could they could be as he said that comment. <laughs> so, my one thought that I had today was like, could we make a a decently big trade without involving Dylan Zaire? Well, I think part of the problem, to his point, is I think part of the summer. And the Durant thing is, hey, we just played a playoffs and Stephen Adams couldn't be in the T-Wolf series. Adams isn't important to us. But honestly, I think his absence at the beginning of the Warriors series was huge. And now I just feel like he feels like Dylan to me and that like culturally and just what he brings might be indispensable. And that's where like I'm nervous. I just think it's interesting because every time we talk about like what we're going to do, what we're going to do, obviously the like the roster upgrade is Dylan's spot, right? But I kept thinking today, I was like, is there a way we could just go get OG and not even deal Dylan? I, I don't like know financially spot is the one that you need upgraded. Well, I think it's the, the whoever's playing directly behind Dylan. Sure. But I was like, man, like if you look at OG's contract, it's like not – it's pretty cheap. It's under $20 million for like three more years. Dylan's like right now, we don't have to make – you know, Dylan's deal is not that expensive right now. Like if we were to get OG without Dylan, maybe that changes what we do with Dylan this summer. I don't really know. But a part of me was like, could we have like – that's just an example. I was like, could we have both those on our roster right now? And I was like, yeah, we probably could. Like I don't know because obviously the buzz has been OG wants a bigger role, so that clearly wouldn't Sixth be the case. Sixth man wouldn't quite work for but him. I'm just saying like, I don't know. It was an interesting thought I had. Yeah, I mean, we kudos to me. <laughs> Kuzma, kudos to me. Kuzma's the one. It was an interesting right thought now. I had. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. Where are we? On it wasn't. It? Kudos to you, Ty. It wasn't an interesting thought. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, like, would, like would you, the title of this podcast? Do, kudos to me. Absolutely. But would, I mean, would you do? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think the Raptors would, but it's like, you know, Danny Green's expiring, Zaire, and. Uh, maybe one other contract to make the salary work, and then like, how many of our draft picks and swaps would you do? You know, for a for a sixth man, like how you know. But I think that's because I think it would have to be massive draft compensation. I'm on the record as 
Zaire's available for me, but he's like has to be the step up because I do trust the front office. Like I have blind trust now with them, and Zaire's still very young. He just had tendonitis and grew like eight inches. So like, give him time, and that's the piece. Like, okay, it's no longer Dylan for me. It's it's Zaire. I'm I'm watching. I'm at the Kings game last night, and I'm just like. Man, what I would give for Malik Monk on this team coming off the bench, like just Back up in two like guard. just like a Michael heater, Wade. make yeah. some make some shots when we really need it. Can can play make? Mm-hmm. He was doing some really Dylan ass stupid stuff, but hey, David Roddy does too. So like, we'll just add another Dylan stupid yeah. player. I, you know, a uh, guy Beasley, 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 uh, another thing. Beasley's another guy like Monk. Ugh, like both of those guys. Like if if you, ha- I would, I'm with you. I would love before we go make a all in OG move. I'd love to be like, okay, Jazz, you're you're about to like spare parts. What do you want from Malik Beasley? Let's see what it takes. He's got some moxie. Like he would fit in culturally. Yeah. Zaire for Beasley and Vanderbilt. Give him Ooh, a couple of traffic. Yeah. What's Vando oh. and BC going to do out there? Just kind of like uh, play rock, paper, BC. scissors or something? He, that's a competition now, T and BC. Um, okay, let's pause real quick for, for a message from our sponsors, and then we will get into our MVP of the week, and then we will preview the upcoming games ahead. So first from our uh, friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, the NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many unknown quantities in the Western Conference specifically. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Very hard to say. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. I would combine anything with the Steven Adams over in rebounds. Just trust me. Uh, Download the app now. Sign up with code TB. PN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This episode is also brought to you by Iron Tribe Memphis. Hey, it's the new year. We know what people do uh, in the new year. You're trying to work off that eggnog or maybe all the peppermint bark. Uh, like I ate uh, over the holidays, or maybe mm. it was just like chocolate covered almonds. I'm Peppermint really bark, sure. favorite yeah. favorite dessert. Whatever it was, but look, hey, if if that's your thing and you want to give health a shot, give Iron Tribe um, a call. They've got three locations in the Memphis area: downtown, East Memphis, and in Germantown. Iron Tribe offers high intensity training and a total body fitness program. Uh, with classes throughout the day and multiple styles of workouts for all types of people, whether you've never worked out before or you have been doing those types of workout training all your life, uh, you will fit right in. Ty Smith Sr. and I are actually both members of the tribe. Let's go, baby. Uh, Ty Smith Sr. Iron Tribe. Yeah, Iron Tribe. He does Iron Tribe. Ty does. Uh, And uh, he's often known member. I've been a member since 2018. Believe it or not, when I joined, I've actually – I've never done a pull-up in my life, uh, and now those are pretty easy. So if you uh, want to Flex. learn how to do a pull-up or do sit-ups or whatever it is, yeah, I'm flexing. <laughs> Go to memphisirontribe.com, fill out the form under request information, 
let the guys give you a call from Iron Tribe. They've got some deals that they're running um, in the new year. And, hey, mention that you heard about us on the Grizzden Pod. Uh, all of our listeners will get a discount on your first month. I hope to see you there. All right, it's time to crown an MVP of the week. Remember, this spans the Suns game, Raptors game, Pelicans, and the Kings. John Kraft, I will give the floor to you to crown your MVP of the week. So this is actually, I think this might have been the hardest week for me since starting. And part of that is because so many people played well for us, especially of our core. And so... Um, so I'm going to give a couple honorable mentions that hopefully these guys will maybe put them as their MVP. Um, but obviously Adams has already been mentioned. I just think this was a week. Like, so if, if we're just going on pure narrative, I think Adams might be the MVP winner. Cause I just think he just dominated the game, but I will say, uh, so that's there. I think Jaron had one of his most complete games offensively and defensively, um, uh, this, this week. But also, his defense is just so good. There's just, like, the Kings game yesterday, which I don't even think was his best game of the week, and he had three blocks early on, and it was just hilarious watching in the second, third, fourth quarter. People just sense him and just throw it out. Like, people, it was basically just like, we're not, we no longer are going to go in the, in the uh, in the paint at all it was kind of like the Hawks game from earlier this year, and and it's not it's not surprising to me the Kings put up so many threes in that game. Like he just had that. It just I just love it. And there was a couple times where I would be somebody would be down low about to get a layup, and I would think, oh, Jaron's way out, and then all of a sudden Jaron would be there contesting the shot. It was unbelievable. So that was exciting to me. Um, obviously, I've already talked about Dylan uh, guarding all the people he did, but I'm going to be boring. Uh, and I just have to go with Jaw. Uh, when I look at thirty-four and six in the Suns game, when they like he didn't even play the fourth quarter because we were getting blown out. Nineteen and seventeen in the Raptors game. Nineteen points and seventeen assists. His career high assists. Thirty-two and eight against the Pelicans, and then back to back thirty-five, five and eight rebounds against the Kings yesterday. Um, and so it's boring, and he could probably win it every week. But I, I just think that, and then the moment after the game uh, with the kid for the narrative, so I'm going Jaws, the MVP. Uh, I'm going with Steven Adams. I'm not going to even give honorable mentions. I, in the past three games, uh, Steve-O has had 61 rebounds. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. When, like last night, he made Sabonis look like he was like 4'11". Uh his arms were like blood red at the end of the game. I didn't go to the other two games, so I couldn't tell you about the color of his massive shoulders. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, and in the Pelicans game, like Dylan's defense on Zion was amazing, but Steve's help side in blocking Zion no, driving right. was oh, unbelievable. Yeah. You could, we can't play that style yeah. uh, against no. Zion, and it makes me feel really yeah. great about the Pelicans now, and he, which and, and he, I used to not feel that way. And he fouled out JV once again. Yeah, and I don't and but also on top of the sixty one points, he's he's aggressive now offensively. All of those games were double doubles. He went fourteen, ten and eleven. He still I think needs to be a little bit more uh quick on his offensive rebounds just going straight up. Sometimes he just doesn't he has the Marcus all I don't want to dunk it factor even though he's like seven four and like can touch the rim with his elbows. Like it doesn't make sense to me. But 
I love him. I love him. I love the way he passes. He is such a joy. And I never, ever would have thought I would have said that as a Grizz fan back from 2014 or 13, whatever the year was. But it's the beard and the long hair. I love it. My, I'm also giving it to Stephen Adams. I think that um, his just simply for his quote after the Kings game, which was when he was asked, you know, why how he was able to get that many rebounds. He said, "We sucked at shooting," which is just the most Wait, no, what's Stephen. Your, what's your Kiwi accent? We sucked at shooting, mate. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and <laughs> almost more importantly, he went fifty percent from the free throw line. So one for two. And the team loves it when he makes a free throw. <laughs> oh, it's, it's great. Um, yeah, and it, I mean, this was in the Christmas Day game, but the hack of Stephen Adams that Steve Kerr tried to do, and then he hit the free throw. That was, I mean, that was the cherry on top. Oh um, man, oh that he that. Oh, I'm still mad we didn't talk enough about how stupid that was by Kerr. But but yeah, Stephen Adams setting the a bunch of franchise records in the rebounding category in a especially in the Pelicans game when you're shooting 17% from three, you needed every single one of those offensive rebounds, especially to stay in the game, and then his defensive impact. I mean, he's getting to a point now where it's... it's I have the second most trust in his night-to-night performance next to Ja. Like, I know exactly what I'm getting from Steven every game, and you can't say that about many other guys on the team. So this is uh, not going to be a ton of MVPs of the week for Steven Adams, so I'm going to give it to him while we can. What do you think, what do you think, Ty? Yeah, he's mine too. Um, he was he was phenomenal. I texted y'all last night. Do we win the Kings game without him? I don't think we do. Um, I think he was pivotal. Also, dating back, I know this doesn't really apply, but Jokic should not. I know he assisted a lot, but he really didn't do that much scoring offensively, and we didn't send a bunch of doubles. Like Stephen, like had that and kind of held his own. Um, I really, really, really wish I could s- just almost like relive that playoff series against the Wolves currently and just watch Adams in that series again, just see what he would do. Um, he, I mean, he, I think most, it seems like people are saying he had a really bum ankle for that season, that series too. Like he was, he was not a hundred percent. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not everything y'all have already said. The one thing I'll, the one thing new I'll mention, you even said his passing Brantley that behind the back backdoor cut to Kennedy Chandler. That was sick. Like Mark Gasol esque passing from him. Um super fun player. So also just the, the unsung part of his game, which is essential to the way we play, is how quickly he gets out of bounds to throw the ball in anytime something happens. And so when there's a made basket, it's because of Steven Adams that we're getting like probably four or six points in transition that any other team wouldn't get just because they're big is not being as aggressive. So he does the little things. Yeah. And we win every jump ball. Yeah, it's true. It's true, actually, yeah. We're probably, what, like 90%? I know. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get an outlet play again, even though the Raptors still fell for it. But I love I love the Steven Adams when we're on defense jump ball. Tap out to, oh, yeah. to jaw All right. for an outlet. We've got two games this week that we're going to talk about, both away in Charlotte and in Orlando. Back-to-back, Kraft, you mentioned earlier today, three sets of back-to-backs in a row. Very uncommon. Very weird. Um, But we start each preview of the upcoming games with a a, a little trivia, a little guess who, okay? So I'm going to ask you guys the guess who question and see if you can get it. I'm going to let them be on the hot seat this time. Perfect. All right. Braley and Ty, 
I'm gonna. We normally don't even give the team. We just give the stat, and you oh, have to so guess the player. You're taking it easy on us as our first. I'm gonna give you the team. So Granted, you'd have a fifty-fifty shot anyway. Who are the two highest-paid Orlando Magic players? Ooh, we can do this. Uh, Gary Harris, Chance Ross. Over two. Oh dang. Uh, ooh, go Markel Fultz and go Jonathan Isaac. I was thinking Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac one. is their highest-paid player. Okay. It's $17 million. He doesn't, play, he doesn't play basketball. Is Wendell Carter the other one? It is Markel Fultz. So you were right on your second okay. go-around. Markel Fultz is making $16 mil this year. Jonathan Isaac is making $17 mil. Two highest-paid players That's on wild. their Orlando Magic. He apparently practiced today. Isaac. Isaac. Yeah. Man. I, I mean. Shout-out coaching for literacy. <laughs> Shout-out. <laughs> no great. free ads, though. Cut that. That's right. You're right. Yep. Um so yeah, like I said, at, at Charlotte on Wednesday, at Orlando on Thursday, Charlotte is in the spot right now where um, they are full women yama. Uh, they also are in a very weird s- story right now is is the whole Miles Bridges situation that I think was the ultimate uh, news dump. I, I forget what big event it happened right before, but oh, they it was the Friday, December twenty third. No, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Christmas that event. Um, <laughs> They're trying to figure out a deal with Bridges, who was, I think, has three years probation. As soon as he's not going to be suspended until he signs his next NBA contract, but I assume the suspension is going to be for a long stretch. But this is a team that's struggling. And then you have the Magic, on the other hand, which are a team with a lot of hope. Um, and they're actually playing pretty well right now. So, Craft, uh, I'll pass it to you. What do you think about these matchups? Yeah, so ahead? the. the- the two things that I throw out there is one. So we've seen like we like to lose to teams that we shouldn't lose to, um, especially if they don't have their best players or their resting players. We seem to not bring that effort. And these are two teams that on paper we will be favored against. We should. They're the kind of teams we should come out and be do the 30, 20 first quarter thing, like hold them to 20 points, score 30. Like that's sort of what we should do. Um, my concerns are one, they're on the road. So we had, we just spent the whole time talking about where our bench guys show up on the road. That's what I'm looking to see. Um, I will say Charlotte is definitely there. I think they might be just the worst team in the NBA, but they are healthy now. Like in theory, uh, Lamelo Hayward are going to be playing in this game, so they are better. They're especially better than the team that showed up at FedEx Forum, but they're even better than the team that's been playing. They've been playing some teams closer. Uh, and then Orlando in the same way. Orlando is also, like, we're catching both these teams. They're bad, but they're healthier. So I know Foltz is back. Um, both um, J- Suggs and, you know, and Isaac might be playing in the game that we play. And it's a back-to-back. And Orlando beat the Celtics twice. So I think they're both games that we could lose, and if we're serious about being the one seed, if we're serious about grabbing uh, the West, these are the games we got to win. And so, But I am, I am nervous about especially the at-Magic game because we'll probably won't have Bain on a back-to-back. So that's, that's, well, that's my we'll nervousness. Sit, maybe they're, they're also on a back-to-back. So we're okay, both that's playing that's that's on good. the back leg of a back-to-back. They're playing the Thunder um, – at home so they have and then playing us at home so they're the the magic is interesting because they're eight and four in their last 12 
they they had that run where they beat the Raptors twice, like you said, beat the Celtics twice, mm-hmm. um, split with the Hawks, but they've lost to the Lakers, Pistons, and Wiz lately. So it'll that that will be. I'll be curious to see if if we play all our guys against the Hornets, yeah, and maybe do a reverse thing or something. I have no idea. But I, when you look at this upcoming schedule, this whole like next like eight games, I'm sure we'll get into it. Like this is like. We gotta create some stuff. This is we gotta win these yeah. all these games. Like I want to see. A win Do you straight. have the schedule up in front of you? Could this you, is yeah. when I mean, this is you where because the because the Nuggets and the Pelicans have a okay. much harder schedule the next seven eight games than yeah. we do. Yeah, for sure. So we 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 go two Hornets, then you know play the Magic, then we come back home Sunday against the Jazz, play at home against the Spurs on another back to back. To your point, then uh, have a break, play Wednesday against the Spurs again. Uh, then play Saturday at the Pacers, then come back home to play the Suns. That stretch to me leading up to the Suns game, where the Suns is going to be a rematch type scenario, where we just got, demo- you know, belittled on home court. We're we gonna need be to secure the tie at least the tie. in the yeah. season series. But like all of those, the, I mean, the Jazz are free falling. All of those games, we should we should run the table in all those games. There's no question that we need to. To me, I think that. John Morant is going to drop 40 in at least one of these two games because neither the Magic nor the Hornets have anybody that can handle him. And so I think that's going to be the difference. I am very interested in what we're going to do on the second night of a back-to-back with our guys. I was glad to see Jaron playing his first back-to-back earlier this week. So that would be huge to have him in both of these games, um, especially matched up against a guy like Wendell Carter who can get you know, he, he he's he's good at the little things. And then also Bull Bull has been the story of this season so far for the Magic, too. So the stretch, kind of a stretch four or five off the bench. Jaron um, might finally match up against a guy taller than him. Yeah, I think I think Dylan <laughs> is going to have um, obviously the target on Paolo. So that's going to be a fun matchup to watch in this. But I agree with you, Brantley. Like, I mean, six and two at worst, in my opinion, is what we should be going based on where we are health-wise with having everybody back, having our starting five, which is still getting into a rhythm, and then catching hopefully some of these teams on on when they are starting to reach that critical juncture in their season when they have to decide which way are we going to go. Are we going to try for the play-in? Are we going to... I mean, a serious team, two home, straight home games against the Spurs. If we're a serious team, we go 2-0 yeah. like, in those two games. Yeah. And this is also... I think this stretch is a stretch where we need to see Bain get going. Like we need to see him really start feeling confident from the three, so that when we the 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 so that the next part of our schedule where it's not like the toughest teams, but there's some you know it's more I think average above average team squads. We we're gonna need him um, going forward. And it, do you? I mean, do you? Are y'all worried with how we approached the Suns game, the Thunder game, the Warriors game? Honestly. Are you nervous about this weird letdown thing that we seem to be doing? Like, if you look at our losses, like, we've rarely gotten beat, like, really beat by good teams. It's like all our losses are stupid. It feels like. Yeah, yeah. I hope it's not a trend. I mean, it, yeah. to me, it's just, like, it screams young lack of focus. And maybe that maybe the these games where they were bigger names – on the jersey, uh, maybe that was a wake-up call. The one I'm circling is the Pacers in Indiana. I think the Pacers can beat anybody because they have guys like Hal Burton and Heald who can just get 
I mean, they are torching it from three. And then Miles Turner's having the game of his, or excuse me, the season of his career so far. So I can see looking ahead to that Suns game, you're you're making a one game road trip again out to Indiana. To me, that's like the trap game. But and then the Jazz have all. I mean, it's tough to play. I, I don't know what it is about the Jazz with us, uh, especially dropping two early in the season. Um, I'm always nervous when we're playing them, but everybody else in that stretch. Um, and we're going to obviously be circling that Phoenix game as well. We need Halliburton to get a lot of hype for Dylan. We need we need we need everybody to keep talking about Halliburton being the next Steve Nash and. Uh, him putting up some kind of having having an SGA type hype session going the next couple weeks to get Dylan excited about Garden Halliburton. All right, any final thoughts from you guys as we close this one out? I think I'm good. I love it. I love it. We'll be tuning in to uh, our social media channels. We have some potential exciting stuff going down on our website. Uh, we appreciate everybody that uh, got a Merry Christmas sweatshirt. You are you probably have like two or three more days of wearing those before you know it's it's probably time to put those away in the closet and check out the new stuff that are going to be on on, on uh, grizzden.com so exciting stuff happening there remember to like and subscribe uh, the podcast we will be back with you after the two games this week to review on a week then update and looking ahead the all-star break is not terribly far away we're looking at a month and a half and the voting has already started so vote make sure ski. you vote for <laughs> Vote for your guys. Vote for DB. Votsky. Votsky. Votsky for DB. Right. BD. Perfect way to end it. We will talk to you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>